right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome to TLC Sunday service. Hope you are all doing well. Uh, man, that was a good song. Yeah, good song. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow. I love Jeremiah. I love Dennis, but sometimes it's, it's good to see a new face. Yeah. Praise God for that. Praise God for uh, prayer on our prayer team. Hey, um. You know, uh, we, we have a lot of retreats in August, and, and the part of having retreats is not just to get away, but it's, it's really kind of gathering together, connecting, right, and seeing where God is taking our new community and in our groups and in our fellowship, you know. Um, you know, we got Damascus, we got Masa, we got our leadership retreat, TK, right, leadership retreat coming up end of the month. Uh, these are all really pivotal times when people gather, we gather together as community really catch the vision of what God is calling us to do as a body and going out and making it happen. So really pray for these retreats. Um, I'm always anxious and nervous about them whenever they happen, but, you know, we're really blessed as we go through them. So uh, give love to that. All right. We are in a series, um, one of the most famous sermons ever given, uh, the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, okay. And this, this, this sermon was, it was, to, it was designed to signal to people a new profound way of looking at life, right? The sermon that Jesus gave to his disciples, as Jesus gave to the people who were listening, it was to show them that this is a way that I have always made it for you to live. You've been caught up by your culture. You've been uh, brainwashed by the way you've grown up to think a certain way, to feel a certain way, to act a certain way that's always trapped you, that's always kept you wanting more, that's always kept you chasing here is the life that I have for you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, these aren't suggestions that he is saying for you to pick up one by one. These are the actual qualifications of those who follow after Jesus. Those who call him Lord, those who have understand what he has done in their life, and those who said, I will submit to the transformation process that you give to me. Right? And if you're out there, you're not a believer, and, and you're kind of just still looking and still trying to understand what Jesus is all about, this, this sermon, these, these, this whole entire section, this series is designed to help you see life done in a different way. You've seen life done in the way we have it today, in our culture, in our politics, in, in our families, in the world around us. That's how life has taught us to live. Is there another way? And is there a more profound way? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, right? And we're looking into the Sermon on the Mount to give us this picture. Today I'm going to share with you guys... Um, a message on the Christian relationship with people, the behavior of a Christian in relationship with community, within the church and community elsewhere, okay? And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what Christ is commanding you to live like as you have relationship with people, okay? And if you get this message, listen up, if you get this message, it's going to change the way you connect with people. It's going to change the way you talk to people. It's going to change the way you love people. It's going to change everything on how you deal with people. So, stick it out with me. We're going to see. This. It's a very. It's 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 almost comical what we're about to read, but it's so profound and it's so brilliant. Jesus is so good in this area, right? I think oftentimes when we think about. The church and what Jesus teach, we have a very negative impression of it. I want to share with you my Jesus. I want to share with you my Jesus from this Bible. 
I want to share with you what he thinks and how he feels and how he moves and that what he commands of his people. Right? Go to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. We're going to read that. 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Today's message is really about teaching us how to have a Christian relationship, the behavior of a Christian in relationship with people. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Listen now. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What kind of relationship does Jesus want us to have with community? What type of relationship, what does it look like in these relationships that Jesus wants us to have with people? Okay? Now check this out. How many times have you guys heard the phrase, don't judge me, right? The Bible tells me, do not judge. Why are you judging? Why, why are you pointing fingers, right? Clearly, clearly, it tells you in the Bible, they quote it to you. And you know, what do you say usually to that? Do not judge. Why are you judging me, right? And so I want to share with you guys what that means. Because sometimes when we, get the word, when, when we read the Bible, there's a word that comes up. We have to understand the the range of its meaning. Okay, let's, I'll give you an example. Like the word booty. Booty, right? What does the word booty mean? There's a range of definition, yes? Booty can mean a pirate's treasure, right? Like, give me that booty, right? As a pirate, right? <laughs> that sounded kind of off, right? Or booty, booty can mean like gluteus maximus, your behind, right? Right? Booty. It can mean those uh, tiny little shoes for kids. Like, give me them booties, right? Or uh, if you're in uh, England, a booty is the trunk of a car. Put it in the boot, right? Or oh, I learned this from the youth group the other day, or today. Booty could be used as a phrase, like, if you eat some food and it's nasty, he said, man, that food is booty, right? It's, it's, right? I, that was a new one to me. I was like, whoa, I didn't hear that, right? So words have a range of meaning. And so when Jesus says, do not judge, do not judge, lest, it be, lest you be judged, what is he saying here? Because on one end of the word judge, it means this. It means to evaluate, to be critical, to discern, to call into question, to say, I'm not so sure about that. That behavior, I'm not so confident. I don't know what you mean by that. To call into question, that is on one lexical term of it, it is to be, to be critical of someone's behavior, someone's actions, someone's duty, someone's things. Now, is Jesus telling us not to be critical? Is Jesus telling that you're never to tell someone they're wrong? Is Jesus saying, don't say anything about their beliefs or behaviors? Is Jesus saying that? Is that what he says when he says, don't judge? The answer is no, because this, this is how funny it is. Because on one end, in verse, verse, verse 1, he says, do not judge. And then verse 6 is, do not give dogs. Do not give dogs sacred things. Do not give pigs pearls. So he's saying, do not judge, you dog, you pig, right? 
So the word judge here is not what we in the Western culture think of the word judge. Because we in the Western culture, when we think of the word judge, we think what? Don't criticize me. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Don't tell me my behavior is not good. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do. Don't look at me and think that you're better than me. Don't criticize my actions. Don't say what I have to say. Don't try to call into question what I'm saying. Don't judge me, right? And we hear that a lot from people, and they quote the Bible, and they say that. Is that what Jesus is saying? The answer is no. The answer is no. That's not what Jesus is saying, the word judge here. And it's funny. Let me give you a, a, a thought. Let me give me something that's going to, like, big brain thought for you guys real fast, right? When someone tells you, do not judge, right, what they're saying is, don't be critical of this person's behavior or way of life. Don't judge that person. But when they are saying that to you, what are they doing? Did you ever thought about that? They are doing what? They are being critical of your criticalness, right? When they tell you, don't judge that person, what are they doing? They're judging you for judging that person, right? So they're guilty of the very thing that they say not to do. You follow me? Right? When Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying, don't be critical of someone's behavior. Don't call out situations. Don't discern or call into question problems. The word judge here is this. It's the other lexical term of the word judge is do not condemn. Judge here is the judgment of condemnation, the judgment of eternal hell, the judgment of right and wrong, judgment of salvation or not salvation. As a believer, Jesus is saying, you do not have the right to condemn a person to hell. You do not have the right to look at someone and saying, you are going to hell. Do you know that? You can do this. You can Tell them the Bible says so-and-so, right? If they don't believe in Jesus Christ, they're going to hell. But you do not have the power to condemn with an attitude of superiority saying that you are going to hell. Condemnation does not belong to you. You know why? Because you don't know a man's heart. You don't know a person's heart. You don't know where they're at in life. You're not the perfect judge. You don't know. You're not pure enough to understand the rights and wrongs. You are not the judge of the universe. Judgment of the universe belongs to one, one person only. That is God himself. So as a believer, Jesus is saying this very clearly. You have no right to condemn somebody. You have no right to question their salvation in terms of, hey, I don't know. I, I think that you're not saved. I know you're not saved. You don't have that right. Say, so, well, hold on, PT. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If I saw a Buddhist dude out on the streets holding an alms and he's asking for money, technically, right? I mean, we can clearly say if he dies right now, he might be, you know, not in heaven, right? I'll tell you the truth. There's probably a lot more Buddhist people who are closer to meeting Jesus than some Christians who sit in the church. You don't know their heart. You don't know their life. You don't know their story. You don't know what God is doing or not doing in their hearts. So when Jesus do not judge, he's saying you do not have the right to condemn somebody. Right? And how many times in the church, and I think this is where 
this is where the brilliance of God's of Jesus' teaching, because I think people have this notion that Christianity and the people that follow Christ love to condemn. But Jesus is like, I never even taught that to you. Where are you getting that from? When Jesus said there's no condemnation in Christ, Paul says no condemnation in Christ. Here you are, you're speaking, you're condemning people with this authority that you don't have. So when Jesus is saying, do not judge, what is he saying here? He's saying, do not condemn. There's two types of judgment in the Bible. There's a judgment of the heart, and there's a judgment of behavior. You have no power to judge the heart of man. But you are allowed to do what? Call out the behavior. So when you say, hey, I'm not judging you, you actually are judging you're being critical of a behavior. You're being critical of a situation. You're being critical of an action. You're being critical of someone, and you're allowed to call that out. But you cannot, in that process, say, I'm condemning you. You're going to hell. I'll give you an example, right? Um, let's say, let's say, uh, you see one of the brothers in our church, okay? One of the brothers in our church, I'm not, I'm, uh, yeah, one of the brothers in our church, they got into a, uh, uh, a porn expo, right? And they got in there and they started taking pictures right next to porn stars, right? And they, and they decided to post it on Instagram. You're like, wow, right? Are you going to be like, wow, and click the like button and say, you know what? I'm so proud that you're courageously exercising your heterosexual male tendency. So proud of you. Of course not. When you see that happen, you're going to be like, mm, I don't know if that behavior is conducive to the life in God's kingdom. I don't know if that behavior of exploiting woman's sexuality is something that God condones. I am not going to like, I'm not going to condone what God does not condone. I'm not going to celebrate what God does not celebrate. I'm not going to enable a life trajectory that is in rebellion to God. And so there is a judgment that you can give. That judgment is not the word con condemning judgment, but it is a criticizing. It is a criticalness. It is a discernment. It is a calling out of behavior. I'm worried about your life. I'm worried about the habit that you're doing. I'm worried about what choices you're making. I don't think it's conducive to a life that is healthy. Look at the life choices you're making. You're allowed to call out behavior, right? So what Jesus is saying is do not judge or you too will be judged. If you judge someone's heart for, and you condemn them to hell, Jesus is saying, if you can condemn them, I am the true judge. The same way you condemn them, I will condemn you. You have no power to condemn them that way. But what you can do, do not judge the heart, but call out the behavior. Call out the behavior. If you watch them and you see them, and there's a life like that. You want to call it out. Right? You guys see the difference between the two judgment? Right? One judgment is a condemnation. It's a hard thing. It's a condemnation judgment. It is you feeling superior. You thinking you have all of the rights and the, the power to say, you, my friend, are going to hell. You don't have that power. But you do have the judgment that says, hey, I'm worried about your life. I'm worried about the choices you're making. I'm worried about what you're saying. I'm worried about the habits you're having. I'm worried about the trajectory you're moving towards. You're allowed to call out behavior. You guys see the difference? 
Judge, do not judge the heart, but call out behavior. That is what Christ calls us in relationship to people. You're not to judge their hearts, but you are to call out their behaviors. You get me? But here's the thing. Now you're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Does that mean that if I'm annoyed with somebody about what they do, I can just like pull the trigger? Can I just go out there and bam, take them out? Like, you just told me I can judge. Is that what the Bible says? No, because look at what he says next. And this is brilliant because there's rules to calling out. There are rules in which he says you ought to have and administer if you're going to discern and call into question someone's behavior. There are rules that you have to think about and engage in while you do this. All right, check out these things right here. Verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck of, out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. There are rules to calling out behavior. And Jesus, again, is brilliant in this, right? When you come and you begin to call somebody out, calling out a behavior, calling out an attitude, calling out a habit, calling out a situation, right? When you're being critical of something, are you coming to strengthen? To are you criticizing to love them or are you criticizing to punish them? Are you criticizing to love them or are you criticizing to punish them? Are you trying to be critical to get the relationship back? Are you saying to them, I want, to see this, I want you to see this behavior. I want, to see, I want you to see this choice. I want, to, I want you to see what this is doing for your soul. How this affects so many people around you. How this has a huge impact on your future. I want you to see this. I'm concerned. I'm worried about you. I want that. Are you criticizing to love or are you criticizing to do what? To push them away. Are you criticizing, are you making them feel bad to get rid of them? Are you making them, are you trying to cast them out to shame them? Are you trying to hurt them, to write them off of your life? How are you being critical to them? To love or to punish? And Jesus says, you are never to be critical to punish somebody. You are never to be critical to treat people harshly, abrasively. I don't know where the culture got this picture, but they think that when the church and Christianity and people and Christians, when they talk to people, it's about this condemnation, critical harshness that they're speaking to people's lives. Jesus didn't say that. That's not my Jesus that I follow. Jesus, in this passage, he gives three rules. If you're going to call somebody out, he gives three rules. Three situations that gives you the ability to do that. Okay? To criticize in love, not to punish. Here's the three rules. You guys ready? This is the first one. He talks about why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brotherhood? Anyone ever have things caught in their eyes? Yeah, right? Like sometimes eyelashes, right? Or like contact. The, the worst is when I see the contacts get lost in there. I'm like, it's like check this out. I'm like, no, I do not want to check it out, right? Like last, um, last uh, message, one of the kids said like, oh, I got a toenail. I was like, you got a toenail in your eye? Like, like yeah, I clipped the toenail. It flew into my eye. Like, what? 
crazy. And you know how abrasive that is. You know how irritating that is. You know how difficult that is, right? And can you imagine someone coming to you with like, like, this, like, like, like pliers? Hey, I'm going to get it for you, right? You're like, whoa, no, 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 right? Or someone coming to you with like tweezers, like, I'm going to do it. And their hand's like shaking. Like, no, no, that's cool, right? I'm, pastor's confession. I don't have contacts. I refuse to wear contacts. My whole entire life. I only have glasses, okay? And this is, you know, because I'm getting blind. But I refuse to wear contacts. Why? Because I don't like touching my eyeball. I don't like when things touch my eyeball, right? And who did I marry? An optometrist, right? Who's all about the eyeball. I remember the, the first time we went to her office and she was like checking my eyes. She's like, okay, honey, sit down. I'm going to check your eye pressure. I'm like, oh, cool. I sat down. She's like, oh, what's going to happen? It's going to puff an eye. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no. Wait. Into my, it's going to blow into my eyes. Like, it's buy me dinner first. Like, at least, like, like you mean blow into my eyes, right? She's like, it's nothing. It's just a puff of air. I'm like, a pu- into the eyeball. Are you serious? Are you, are you crazy? Like, I'm not going to see it like, like a air just pop into my eye. Like, that's crazy, right? You know what? What if it pierced through my, like, lens or something? She's like, bro, relax. Relax. Trust me. I was like, No. Right, and I, I sit down, I, and then you know when when you when you if you guys have been there, like it starts like beeping, beep, 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 right, and it's kind of like aligning your eye, and you're like, whoa, no, man, I can't do it. I get up, I'm like, honey, I can't do it. I'm sorry. It's like, what does she have to do? She has to coax me. It's like, it's okay, sit down, trust me, right? I'm your wife. I'm not gonna hurt you. And I'm like, oh, I'm sitting there, I'm like nervous, and comes in, right? Hate it, hate it, right? First time she put eye drops into my, I've never put eye drops in my eyes. You guys know that until I married my wife. Okay. First time she's like, lay me down. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was like, you know, just laying down, we're just having, you know, husband and wife time, and just talking. And she's like, your eyes look kind of dry, honey. Let me put some. I'm like, what? And she started like pulling this thing out and like on top. And then, you know, you see that one droplet coming out. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just gonna, you know, undry your eyes. I'm like, babe, like, it's gonna fall onto my eyes, right? It's painful. She's like, well, you never taken a shower before? You haven't had water in your face before? Like, that's different, right? If you get poked by a single nail, it hurts more than being poked by like 10 at a time, right? Because there's surface area issues, right? This is math here, babe, right? If you get poked by one thing, just boom, not going to work. She's like, bro, relax. I love you. I'm like, honey, no. So you know what she had to do? She had to drop it on the corner right here, and then she said, turn your head. And I had to turn my head so that it would slowly drive in. She said, now blink. I'm like blinking. I'm like, okay, good job, honey, right? She's like, don't treat me like a kid. She's like, okay, I love you, right? How do you deal when, when there's a speck in your eye? Do you bring nails, tweezers? No, you do it very sensitively. Get a napkin, or she would get a Q-tip. And she does a little thing, right? Very gentle, very sensitive, very, very gracious, right? In the same way, you know what Jesus is saying here? If you're going to call out a behavior, you're not meant to jump in and be brash and harsh about it. You're supposed to call out a behavior in its most sensitive and most gracious way. Because here's the thing. When someone has something in their eyes, they can't see it. When they have a spiritual plight upon their heart, they can't see it. But people outside can. And when you're going to go and speak into their life about a behavior issue, a heart issue, a choice issue, a habit issue, Jesus is saying you got to be just as sensitive if you're going to remove a speck from someone's eyes. 
You got to do it with a napkin or a, a Kleenex or something soft. Don't be coming in with tweezers and pliers, hammers, screwdrivers. No one's going to let you do that. And don't be running into a conversation and just like be condemning, punishing, yelling, screaming, mad, angry. You got to do it in the most sensitive, gracious, loving way. You guys follow? See, Jesus says you can judge. You can be critical of a behavior. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to be critical of someone's behavior, if you're going to be critical of someone's life choice, if you're going to be critical about the morality that they're going through, then you got to be able to be sensitive about it. You got to approach it with a gracious, loving attitude and not abrasive and not harsh. You follow? That's rule one. All right? But here's rule two. Notice what he says here. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in a stranger's eyes? He didn't say that. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? In your brother's eye. So if you're going to approach somebody and call out a behavior, you best be dang sure that your relationship to this person is as close as blood. You better be dang sure that your relationship to this person is as close as family. Because if you're going to call out behavior, you got to be somebody who's already invested in this life. Right? There's a thing, uh, deposit and withdrawal. When you invest in someone's life, when you encourage, when you affirm, when you spend time, when you give your time, when you pour into someone's life, that's a deposit. You're depositing into someone's life. Over and over you're depositing. And when you are critical of somebody, what you're doing is you're withdrawing from them. You guys get me? So if you're able to deposit enough, then you can withdraw. And the only way you deposit enough is that you are somebody who has desire to spend your life with this person, to walk with this person, that you allow somebody like that into your life to share your ups, your downs, to share your burdens, to be able to cry together, to eat together, to laugh together, to fight together. That there is somebody in your life that is as close to you as if they were blood themselves. In this case, a brother in faith, a sister in faith. Do you have someone like that? Do you know why we have salt? Why we have these small groups? It is to create this place of bond and uh, uh, bond and, and, and community. Because when something goes wrong in your life, you can't see it. You won't be able to see it. Brothers, you know this. If you've been hurt by a girl, she wounded your heart and your pride in your life, guess what's going to happen? You're going to treat future girls in a horrible way, whether it's subliminally, whether it's directly, but you're going to treat them in a very negative way. And you're thinking you're just being, you know, funny or being you, but maybe a lot of people are like, hey, man, what are you doing? Somebody has to be like, hey, that's kind of abrasive. Hey, that's kind of rude, right? But if you're going to call out somebody, you best bet, you best be dang sure that you have an actual relationship with that person, that you've deposited into the account of their life, that you have spent more time encouraging, affirming, strengthening, loving that person than you'd have withdrawing from that person. Because how horrible is it that no one who has spent relationship with you comes to you and starts laying down all these things, right? You'd be like, who are you? You don't know my life. You don't know my story. You don't know who I am. How dare you talk to me like this? Like, who are you? Do you even care? 
You, you know, what do, we, what do Christians do? Like, I love you. I want to say this to you in love because I really care for you. you. You really care for me? When's the last time we talked? When's my birthday? Right? Do you even know any of my kids' names? Do you, do you even know anything about my, 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 my work, my school? What do you know about me? Do you know my struggles? Do you know my ups? Do you know my downs? Do you know my what do you know about me? Nothing, but I love you. That's BS. That's not real. That's just lip service of love. You guys get me? If you're going to call somebody out on their behavior, you best be dang sure that you have deposited into that life. And if you're thinking to yourself, at this point, I really want to call this person out, then you better spend the next five months depositing into their life before you call out this one thing. If you're, if you're really thinking about, like, I really need to let this person know that this issue, this problem is a big problem, and you have no relationship with them, then you better spend your next three, four months loving on them, spending time with them, connecting with them, sharing with them, hearing from them before you withdraw from them. You guys get me? So Jesus is very, very wise here. He says, if you're going to be critical, you got to be sensitive. Be gracious in the way you approach it. But two, you got to approach it in a way as if you're as close to them as blood. And here's the last thing. Here, check this out. Verse 4. So how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck of, out of your eye when all the time there is a plank a two-by-four in your own eye, right? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying before you are critical of someone's behavior, attitude, choice, action, before you go and you call out that issue, one, you better do it with sensitivity. Two, you better be dang sure you're close to them as if blood itself and three, you have to look at your heart and realize that you're worse than they are. Because who knows you better than you, right? Who knows you better than you? You know yourself a thousand times better than you know somebody else. You know exactly what's in your heart. You know your, your own anger. You know your own self-pity. You know your own sins. You know your own bitterness. You know your own unforgiveness. You know your own problems a thousand times bigger than anyone else's. Right? then why is it that we don't see when we're talking to people our problem a thousand times bigger than theirs? Why is it that when they make the mistake, it's like, oh, how could they do that? How, how, could, how could they possibly engage in? They should have known better, but when you make the exact same mistake, what do you say about yourself? Oh, you know, like, my circumstances. You have to understand what's going on in my life. You, it's different. It's actually the same thing. No, it's different. In my account, it's much different. You know your heart better than anyone else's. And when you realize that you are a thousand times worse, when you recognize it in your heart, then what happens? Then you approach somebody, and you don't approach them with a sense of superiority, right? You don't think you're superior to them now. You're coming with them with humility. You're coming with them to them, and you're saying, I get it. If I was in your shoes, I would have done the exact same thing. I, I, I get it. How many times you guys would condemn somebody of lies, and yet you know for a fact how often you lie about your own personal life? 
You're like, oh, no, no, when I lie, it's different. It's a white lie. When I lie, it's, it's to save and help people. Really? Really? You make excuses for your issues, but yet you call someone else's out. Jesus is saying, before you call someone else on their problem, recognize how big the problem is in your life first. Recognize the sin that's there first. If you're going to call someone out for a lie or for being shady, recognize how often you hide yourself behind pornography and lie about it all the time. But they're a liar. Well, aren't you one too? You'll know what they hide, but you know exactly what you hide. And once you understand that, you approach somebody and you say, I get it. I get it. If I was in your shoes, if I was in that circle, I would have done the exact same thing. But this is what God's word is saying. This is what his word is calling us to do. There's a humility there. You guys get me? There's a humility there. Versus then coming in puffed up, like, you know what? I know what's right. You're condemned. You're wrong, obviously. Let me call you out. See, we come from a culture. This is, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this such a great nuance to relationship? It is an amazing nuance. You know, because you know what we have in our culture? If you're Asian, you grew up in the shame-honor culture, which is what? Call it out. If you're messed up, I'll tell you the truth. Very, very truth, no love. Very abrasive, very direct, very straightforward, right? You messed up, you shame the family. You call, you call that person out right away. Direct, abrasive, no love. You grew up in the Western culture. What do you have? You have, don't judge that person. You can't tell that person what's right, what's wrong. You can't, you can't call out their behavior. You can't condemn them for what they're doing. You can't, not condemn, but you can't be critical about what they're doing. You can't call out that behavior. It's about all love, 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 but no truth. On one side, you're passive. You say, I just want to let bygones be bygones. You're a coward. But on the other side, he's like, no, I'm a straight talker. I tell it like it is. No, you're a jerk. You're a jerk. And that's the culture we have. That's how our culture teaches us to deal with people. Either you're a coward and don't speak truth, or you're a jerk with no love in your life. And yet Jesus calls us up to something beautiful. He says, don't be passive. If they're behavior, their walk is outside of line of what I have called for them, then call it out. You got to call it out. You got to speak truth into their life. You can't condone it. You can't celebrate it. You can't sit there and like, woohoo, right? But at the same time, if you're going to call it out, you best be sensitive about it to approach it with the same sensitivity as if you have a speck of dust in your eyes. You best approach it with a relationship to that person as if they're your own blood, you best approach them realizing how, must, how more messed up you are than they are. Because when you do that, then you approach and have this relationship and this behavior with somebody that you can connect with them in a more beautiful way. You guys follow me? Right? What is the behavior that Jesus calls us to live? He says don't condemn people. You can't condemn them. 
You don't know what's in the man's heart. You don't know what's in the woman's heart. You don't know where they're at in life. But if I, but you can do what? You can call out their behavior. You can be critical of their actions. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to be critical of them, you best do three things, though. One, you best be sensitive. Two, you best have a relationship with them. That they know that you love them more than anything else. That you've deposited enough into their life before you withdraw. And three, you best realize that you're just as worse as they are. Worse than they are. Just as bad or worse than they are. Right? The last part here is this. Because it sounds good. It sounds easy, right? But what gives us the heart to do it? To do this. And it, and it comes down to the last verse right here. Verse 6. And it's a one-sentence parable that Jesus has in the middle of this conversation he has about sensitivity towards relationship with people. This is what he says. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Okay? Dogs and pigs. Do not throw to dogs and pigs. When you throw something to them, what, what are you usually throwing to them? Like, you know, to get food, right? You, you're trying to feed them scraps under the table, right? So your dogs are here, you know what's left over? They throw it to them, they eat it, and they, they enjoy it, right? Dogs are domesticated. You know, back then, pigs were domesticated. So you throw dogs and, uh, and pigs, exact same thing. Like, here's my scraps. Finish it up, right? So here in this parable, the owner, though, is not feeding them food. What is the owner feeding them? He's feeding them a, a pearl, Right? He's feeding them something that is in, inedible for them. It's something that they cannot swallow. It's something that they cannot grasp. It's something that they cannot enjoy. And if they eat these things, what would happen? They would choke. They would get hurt. And what would they do if they get choked and hurt? They would lash out with you. Right? If you, ever, if you try to give something, you kind of mess with a dog after a while, what happens? They try to bite you right? because they're mad at you. Like, what are you doing? They bite at you. Dog, pigs, I heard. I'm not sure if this is true. Pigs can bite through human bones. Right? I heard that they can actually eat through human bones. Well, that was crazy, you know? But think about that. Pigs trampling at you and biting at you just because you feed them pearl. I would too. You're like, hey, I want food, but you gave me this thing to choke on. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be biting you, right? If you throw these things that they cannot eat, they may turn and tear you to pieces. Because you know what? I'm not going to eat the pearl, but I'm going to eat you, right? And then on the other side, Jesus talks about this pearl. What is this pearl that, this, that the people are throwing them? The pearl here is an analogy to the gospel, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus talks about a man who finds a pearl. And what does he do? He sells everything he has for that pearl. He gives everything away for that pearl. Okay? The pearl is the gospel. The king of the universe has come to save us, save the world. And then when this man sees this gospel, he loves it. He sells everything he has to have this king. The pearl is the gospel. Now, contrast between a pig... And the man in Matthew 13, okay? A pig, how does a, big, how does a pig deal with pearl? In other words, if you're a piggish person, you look at the gospel and immediately what do you do? How does Jesus satisfy me? You ask, I want to make money. If I serve Jesus, does he make me, give me money? I want to get to medical school. If I serve Jesus, will I get into medical school? A piggish person with someone who looks at the gospel and says, I want something out of it, right? But the man... Not the pig, but the man in the opposite way. When he looks at the gospel, what does he do? When he looks at the gospel, he says, I will sell everything to have it. I don't want what it can give me. I want him. Some people, when they hear what Jesus has done, 
They see it as beautiful. They see it as lovely. They see it as wonderful. They see the holiness of God. They see the beauty of God. They see the act of God. They see the sacrifice of God. And they surrender. And they say, I'd rather have that than everything in this world. And they give everything they have just to have it. But there are people who see the gospel and say, I don't know. Not for me. Not my thing. Right? And so the meaning of this parable, and I want you guys to get there because this is really this when it comes down to the heart. The meaning of this parable is this. Whose fault is it in this parable that Jesus is yelling? Is it the dog and pig's fault? No. It's not the dog or pig's fault. It's the fault of the person who's giving the pearl. Right? An owner should know that you shouldn't give the pearl to the pig. You can't eat it. You shouldn't give something sacred to the dog because they can't swallow it. And that's the problem with Christians. That's the problem with believers. Christians would try to press the gospel into someone's life that they aren't ready to receive it or can't even understand it, right? Instead of honoring the pace of God in their lives, oftentimes Christians would do what? They would insist, do this, follow this, or die. Instead of honoring the pace of what God is doing in this person's life, changing them piece by piece, putting the pieces in order, sending the right people to them, establishing the right blocks in their life. Instead of honoring that pace, Christians oftentimes would do what? They would say, look, this is the truth. You have to see it. You're wrong in this matter. Don't you get it? This is what you have to do. This is what you have to change. Do this now or die. And what do you think will happen when you do, when you shove a pearl like that into the mouth of someone who is not ready to be edible with it? They're going to reject it. They're going to push back. They're going to be angry. Oftentimes, when you find someone who is, has a negative reaction to the gospel, it's probably your fault. Because your engagement is, is there urgency in preaching the gospel? Of course there is. There's urgency for their souls, of course. But if you cram pearls down the throats of pigs, they will reject it and respond back negatively. If you cram per, the gospel down the throat of someone who cannot eat it, who cannot understand it. No wonder they push back in such a negative way. You have to give people the truth at the rate that people can bear it. Because gospel will not make any sense unless God is doing something from the inside. You guys get me? Unless unless God is doing something from the inside of their life, the gospel will not make sense. I I did this, uh, this, this thought exercise and I thought about all the time the gospel was presented in my life, right? And I did the math. It was about 10 years. 10 years before I accepted. First time I heard about the gospel, second grade. I shared with you guys my uh, second grade teacher. She talked about Christmas, and she said that Christmas was about the birth of Jesus Christ. And I was like, who? Right? And she was like, Jesus Christ is God. What? Christmas is about Jesus coming down for us to die for us. Like, who? Right? Like, what in the world? Mind blown. Christmas was Santa Claus and gifts that I never got because apparently my family don't do Christmas, right? So I was like, what? Who is this Jesus? Fast forward, fast forward, fifth grade. I just learned about the birds and the bees from school, right? About what sex looks like and what, how babies are made. And I don't know how this, this conversation with my dad happened. I was talking to him, and I was like, you know, I don't know why people think that um, Jesus is so special. He's just a man. And my but dad, not a believer, said, Jesus is not a man. I'm like, what? Yeah, I was like, no, my dad, he was born to this lady called Mary. Yeah, but, you know, 
she was a virgin. I'm like, are you, a, are you a science denier? Like, what's going on here? Like, what do you mean she's a virgin? Like, I just learned that, fifth grade me, I just learned that to have a baby, you need this and this together, and bam, baby, right? But no. The mother of Jesus was a virgin, and God gave her the power to have Jesus. I'm like, what is going on here, right? Like, Dad, seriously? Fast forward, seventh grade. AOL Instant Messenger. You guys remember that, AOL Instant Messenger? Usually when you do AOL Instant Messenger, the first three things you type in is ASL, right? Age, sex, location. Because yeah, you want to know, like, who am I talking to? Okay, some of you guys are too young, you're like, what's that, right? Anyways, AOL Instant Messenger, people used to talk randomly to people on, on uh, this um, messenger thing. And this one dude messaged me, and he says, do you want to hear a story? And, like, me, seventh grade, like, had nothing to do with my life. I was like, sure, right? And then homeboy starts talking from Genesis all the way to Revelation, about Jesus. And I'm like, what is going on, right? Mind blown. 10th grade. I was in Vovinam, you know, the Vietnamese church, right? I, we, uh, we used to practice at this uh, temple on Magnolia and Chapman. And uh, this is Vietnamese karate. And I remember this one girl, okay? I, if you're ever watching, right, say hi, okay? I want, I want to find her again. Her name is Ngao. And I, I felt so bad because I was such a jerk to her. I was such a jerk to her, right? Here she is. She's trying to, like, Tell me in the middle of the temple, like, hey, you know, like, the Bible is God's word, and when you read the Bible, like, you, you begin to, like, see what he's done and how he loves you and what, how he died for you. And I'm like, I don't see that. When I read the Bible, I'm seeing, like, Adam and Eve also made, like, a bunch of babies, and they, like, live forever, and then, like, all the like, dinosaurs. What happened to those guys? You know, I, I see all these questions. She's like, no, no, no. You have to read it with the Holy Ghost leading you, and then you can see with, with the spiritual eyes. I'm like, you have to be possessed? To read the Bible? Like, what in the world? Like, are you crazy? Right? Unbelievable. Fast forward, 11th grade. Tutoring this young girl for math. She sucked at it. I don't know why I was tutoring her. And all of a sudden, she says, I know that your life is hard, but there's someone who loves you more than life itself. I'm like, okay. Right? It's Jesus Christ. I'm like, oh, I, I, know, I know that guy. Right? I've heard about him, right? She's like, and yet, when she proclaimed the gospel at that time, no different than anyone else has done it before me, right? But yet, at that time, it clicked. Ten years. Ministry is life, guys. Relationship is life. We, we get caught up in this Western culture when we think relationship is just this quick wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of deal, right? In and out, you're done. Relationship is life. You will spend a lifetime sharing the message of the pearl to a person until pigs become men and their hearts are softened to hear this message and sell everything they have for it. Ministry is life. It is not a short period of time and that's it. It is the dedication of your life to someone else's life. The long haul. The long haul. What is the motivation to speak and have this relationship with people is that when you see this pearl that has been given to you and instead of saying what can I get after following this instead of saying that you say because I know how precious this is I will sell everything I have to have that when that is in your heart when you realize that Jesus Christ came to earth the pearl of heaven came to earth 
to give himself to us. And yet, instead of receiving it as a jewel, we trampled upon it and we crucified him. And yet he did it anyways. To turn what? To turn animals to men. To turn brokenness, flesh to spirit. And when you understand that, all of a sudden, you're not going to condemn people. But you're going to be able to call out the truth because you are not scared. You know who God is. You know who your Lord is. And he calls, this is the call we call to live. And he says, now speak truth. But you also know that when you are courageous to speak truth, you do it with sensitivity. You do it as if that person is blood, your blood itself. You do it knowing where you were, that you were a lost cause yourself. And you do it with the power of the gospel moving and changing your hearts. That's novel. That's relationship. That's transformation. Because the alternative is what? All truth, no love. Or all love, no truth. But here, in the nuance of the gospel, you have what? You have a way to engage with people that transforms and bring life. That's my prayer, church. Relate to people in such a way. Connect. Build relationships. Get over this condemnation attitude, this superior attitude, and approach the way Jesus Christ has called us to approach. Let's pray.